0: We're going to now. And we've been uh, starting a series in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter. And uh, we're up to chapter two. Wow, we finished chapter one. Amazing, isn't it? So, up to chapter two. And I'm going to just be reading the first five verses. All right, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for the Bible and we thank you for the words that we can read of your scripture. And we thank you, Lord, that your scripture has power because it is anointed and breathed through by your Holy Spirit. And just this time that we spend just thinking about this few words that we've read, would you come by your spirit and set your people free? In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you think the Apostle Paul suffered from nerves? I'm so encouraged by the Apostle Paul. I've been preaching since a few months after I was converted. I was converted at the age of 19 and I've been preaching all those years, 30-odd years. And I reminded myself this morning of, why do I do this? God! (laughs) Because Sunday mornings for me, I don't know what they're like for you, but Sunday mornings for me is waking up and just having that dread in my stomach that I've got to stand in front of you lovely people who oh, I love very much and I know you love me and there's nothing scary about that, but there's something going on in my tummy. As you will testify to, but don't ask her about those things. I remember asking my dad, who, who, who was a preacher, he said, does it ever stop? He said, I want to encourage you, son. But I can't, no. It never stops. So, I was really encouraged this week as I read this passage. Um, We know that Paul has been on his travels. It's the second missionary journey. We've got a map just to show you of where he's been. Corinth is not the first stop on this second missionary journey. He'd been traveling some time, preaching and planting churches and strengthening believers wherever he goes. And you'll recognize some of the, the names on the map of, of Philippi and Thessalonica because we have his letters to the churches there. There's Berea and Athens and, and now he gets to Corinth. And you might think that now he is a seasoned missionary, fearless in everything that he does. But he writes in his letter About how he came to Corinth. When I came to you, verse 1, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. Actually, if we can have the five verses just on the screen, it might actually fit. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, which is fascinating because Paul is such an intelligent guy and he has a way with words. You just have to read 1 Corinthians 13 to know that he has a way with words. But he says, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. Verse 3, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Such was the reputation of perhaps this city of Corinth. It was the largest city that Paul had visited And he lands in a city and he feels the call of God to plant a church in that city. I mean, that's enough to make anyone tremble. And he reveals his own sense of vulnerability in this. And he says in verse four, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. So imagine Paul arriving in Corinth. And imagine yourself maybe in his place, finding yourself standing up to make a speech in front of an audience of the great and the good of the city and having nothing to say except some stammering words about a strange thing that happened a few years ago which you know sounds crazy but which you also know and you believe in your heart is the secret to everything. The meaning of life. Everything. The mystery of God. God past, present, future. Has now been revealed. Unveiled. In Jesus Christ. And he preaches. About Jesus. Who he is. And he preaches about What Jesus has done. He died on the cross. The first two weeks of Alpha. That it is. And he knows it's scandalous to some people. It's foolishness to people. But for him it's the unveiling of the secret of everything. I resolve to know nothing with you. Nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, the cross wasn't something that you mentioned in polite society. It was regarded as sordid, vulgar. You know, imagine having your dinner party around and we're going to talk about forms of execution tonight. Thought that would be a nice topic of conversation. Not many of us start like that, do we With Our guests. The cross was a form of torture and execution, probably one of the most cruelest forms of execution ever invented. So cruel the Romans abolished it in 315 AD. It was horrific, revolting, degrading. The prisoners would be stripped naked, shameful. They would be hammered with huge nails to a wooden beam. They would be raised up and the vertical beam dropped into a hole so that their whole body would be ripped and they only could breathe if they lifted up their whole bodies, which would be excruciating. In pain, just to breathe. Not the topic of polite conversation. But Paul, when he comes to Corinth, he says, that's what I spoke about." I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and his, him crucified. Now imagine the faces. See a lip curl here. An eyebrow raised there. People glancing at each other. Or at the sundials. The knowing looks, people shaking their heads, not only at the ridiculousness of what is being said, but the manner in which it has been delivered. We thought we were going to come to hear a scholar, a philosopher. But Paul continues in his weakness, fearful, trembling, because he knows that although some people may ridicule his message and others may think of it as a story of weakness and defeat, this crucified man is the savior of the world. And yet, and yet he knows. That the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified is the most powerful message in the world. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when that message is preached, it is accompanied by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That even though sometimes the message may seem unskillful, not erudite, there is something that happens when we talk about Jesus, who he is, and why he died. I remember going to Crystal Palace to hear Billy Graham speak along with all of us who were in our theological degree, and we're all thinking we've never heard him speak before. It's quite a simple message, isn't it? He's not an amazing preacher. And then he asked anyone who had been touched by the message of the cross to stand up, and come to the front, and thousands, and thousands, and all you could hear were the chairs going bang, 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 as thousands of people came to the front of that stadium to commit their lives to Jesus. What was happening? Jesus Christ and him crucified, accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit, was drawing people to Jesus. Still does. You know, we've been doing alpha courses for yonks here. Got another one coming up. And there are times when they go really well and you see lots of fruit. And there are other times when you think, is the message really getting through? Do they think we're idiots? You know. And this man left the course and I thought he hadn't, nothing had gone in. Dear Philip, Joining you on the Alpha course was a life-changing experience for me. A step change in my perspective and my outlook. I cannot thank you enough. I don't know if he's become a Christian. I don't know if where he is right now. I, I know he's part of the area he lives. We always promise we don't follow people up. <laughs> oh. But for him to write that he has had a life-transforming experience. It's the power of the cross. That message that sometimes feels foolishness. But it has the power of God. Because when that message is preached, people's lives do get transformed. People do encounter the living God. People do experience forgiveness of sin. There is the most wonderful thing about knowing that your sin is forgiven. How many of us here today are conscious of a sin in our life? You don't have to put your hand up. I would guess a few of us are conscious of a sin in our life. And you may even be dragging it with you this morning. If you are in Christ, you are forgiven. He wants to restore you. He wants to transform you. He doesn't want you dragging that around. He wants you to let it go. There's an incredible freedom in knowing that we are forgiven people and that we want Jesus to continue to change us. We have new life, new hope, new peace, new joy, new love. Through the gospel of Jesus, we see people healed, set free, delivered. Hearts and minds change. Something happens. It's that mystery. It's the power of God, not the wisdom of man. No clever words can do that. No eloquent preaching, however brilliant it may be, can do that. Only the power of God. Paul preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. God Himself dying for us in our place for our sins. Because Paul knows You can't treat sin like a flesh wound. It's not a grace. It's not a cold. It is deadly and terminal. A deadly virus with no vaccine, and the only antidote is the blood of Jesus. Minor surgery won't do it. We need a heart transplant Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus didn't come to patch up our lives. He didn't come to make us successful or rich. He came to die for our sins, to rescue us from death, to give us eternal life. So for Paul, the gospel of Jesus is not only the most important message in all of history It's the only essential message of all of history. Nothing else comes close to it. The truth of the gospel of Jesus carries its own power to save. And Paul knows that even if some people who are there think he's a fool, or there are others who think that talk about the cross is just a stumbling block to them. It's because they are perishing. But the cross. And that's why we love the cross. Not as a symbol of execution, but. As a symbol of God's love for us. because for those of us who are being saved, who are saved, it's the power of God. And the only appropriate response to a message of the cross is faith, faith in Jesus. I have noticed over the years on the Alpha courses that faith in Jesus for some people is getting harder and harder. Talk about God is easier because it can mean anything. But faith in Jesus Christ. Paul sees this as a mark of Christian identity and faith. And it's brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit at work through the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Romans 10, Paul says, faith means confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing that he was raised from the dead. Later on in this letter, Paul will major on the resurrection. Don't get me wrong. He didn't go to Corinth and speak of nothing else. But this was the major theme permeating all that he spoke of. Because as he will teach us later, he is convinced the resurrection of Jesus proved the victory of Jesus over death and sin. And so this morning. I want us to respond in worship and praise. And as we lift the name of Jesus high this morning, as we speak about the cross, to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and just demonstrate his power amongst us. Some of you are facing difficult weeks, I know that. You need the power of God with you this week. Some of you have had difficult weeks. You need the power of God with you right now. Some of you are facing challenges. And you may not know which way to go, but you need the power of God with you right now. And we always, always make opportunity for people to be prayed for. And that opportunity will be here again this morning. I wouldn't be surprised if all of us needed prayer this morning for something. But we're British. And we'll leave that for for others. But why not this morning just say Jesus I I need you I can't I can't do this what I'm facing I can't do it on my own. Don't even have to have someone pray with you you can just respond while we worship you can move and find a place sometimes it's cramped in a row and you need just to get out so we're going to make space and time this morning so if the band can come back i'd like us to pray and just invite the holy spirit